This episode of the Cinemavention podcast is brought to you by Routing Wonk, RozJ001, Alex Hanna, and Wabbit Magic. Want to find out how to become one of the names listed? Go to patreon.com slash wscottis1 to find out how. Hi, I'm wscottis1, and I have not seen the movie E.T. Uh-oh, we found another movie Willie hasn't seen. This calls for an intervention. A Don't get cute. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinemavention podcast, where we review and discuss classic movies that, let's be honest, I should have seen so long ago. <laughs> Today, we'll be discussing the movie E.T., which my guest has seen before. He is the host of the Ritual Misery podcast. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I bring you Kent Valor, a.k.a. Del Noche. Kent, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. It, it's such an honor for you to be here. Thank you so much. We had uh, we had uh, Amos, your co-host, on the first episode, and now we got the, uh, we got the other co-host. So we got 100%. Yeah, so- 100% ritual misery representation. <laughs> yes, and now the circle is complete. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So before we uh before we get discussing the movie here, um let's go over a little bit of the stats, shall we? Um so ET the extraterrestrial, um but for the purposes of the podcast, we're just going to shorten it to ET. Um, mm-hmm. ET is available uh, is available for rent or purchase on all major internet distributors. Um, and is available to stream on Peacock for absolutely free. All literally, all you have to do is create an account, and you can watch it for free. It's actually pretty nice. Uh, ET was released. Oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it's a pretty good deal. I mean, you can't beat free. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, ET was released by Universal Pictures on June eleventh, nineteen eighty-two, in the U.S. Uh, the movie, of course, directed by the legendary Steven Spielberg. And stars D. Wallace, Peter Coyote, Henry Thomas, and Drew Barrymore. Movie had a budget of ten point five million, and get this, made seven hundred and ninety-two point nine, almost seven hundred ninety-three million dollars in theaters. Um, and I believe that counts the many re-releases that it has uh, gone through in its lifetime. However, uh, when was the first time that you saw this movie, Ken? <sighs> Uh, I've been racking my brain ever since we, we watched this together in the watch party. I've been racking my brain trying to remember when I saw it because I don't think I saw it in movie theaters, which means that I probably saw it in 1988 when it finally was released on VHS. So I would have been about 10 or 11 years old at the time. Really? It, it took that long to get to VHS? Yeah, Steven Spielberg is one of those directors that doesn't believe that his movies should be seen on a small television uh... screen. So, yeah, uh-huh. it took a while to get that negotiated. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, w- wasn't there like a somewhat recent controversy in regards to that not too long ago? Yeah, there's a there's a, a couple of directors right now that that they don't like that. I, I can't remember who it was in the news recently, but somebody is is adamantly against uh, like home theaters and things yeah. like that. I know that Spielberg, when he was uh, making shows for Quibi, rest in peace, Quibi. Um, he, he was one of those people that was like, 
it's like no my show needs to be watched at exactly 6 p.m um in whatever time zone you're in like and you cannot see it before that time at, at all right <laughs> yeah yeah i that's i won't say anything else about quibi that's <laughs> yeah. we'll just leave we'll just let quibi die <laughs> yeah that's that, that's an entire podcast in and of itself right there <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um so I feel I thought we would take a uh, different approach to talking about E.T. because um, in my opinion, um, E.T. is one of the class It's definitely a classic movie. Do not get me wrong. Um, you know, absolutely groundbreaking for the time. Um, however, in my opinion, there wasn't really a whole lot of of the movie itself that I wanted to talk about. So I figured for this mm. podcast we'll go over uh, kind of the um, supporting details and kind of like the information surrounding the movie, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start out with um, b- uh, with the fact that I kind of uh, mentioned it earlier, uh, but there were three re-releases of this film, if you can believe it or not, um, which is important to talk about because you can you get a different movie in some cases depending on what version you get. Um, there was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- that's one of the things that we talked about right after watching it was the different versions because we were trying to figure out which version we actually saw. Um, because some, in some cases, you can tell immediately that that it's this version or that version, but you can't necessarily tell about about some of the tertiary uh, uh, remasters. Yeah. Um, for example, um, there was a uh, there was a re-release in 1985. Um, I think that was mainly just like a re-release to theaters type of thing, just because yeah. it had mm-hmm. done so well. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, adjusting for inflation, this is still like the eighth most profitable movie of all time in the theaters, um, which oh, yeah. is insane. Um, so the re-release in 85 very much followed um, the original cut. And actually, same with the Blu-ray version uh, released in 2012, um, and uh, which retained the old 1982 film a lot more than the 20th anniversary edition. That's <laughs> where the controversy lies. Um, the, that one was released in 2002, and some people were not happy about it. <laughs> um, there was... Uh, yeah, it was like the Star Wars movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. There was a uh, there was a new um, there was a new CGI uh, um, version of ET um, that people just did not appreciate at all um, because um, the original version uh, was an actual costume if I'm not mistaken um, mm-hmm. and in the um, in the 20th anniversary re-release um, Steven Spielberg decided to make ET um, CGI which very much pissed off a lot of the fans of the original movie. Um. Yeah, it it does. It it looks hokey. Like it's it, it's it's kind of like the Jar Jar Binks thing, where yes, the technology was there and it was kind of a breakthrough technologically, but it didn't improve anything. It it looked it looked almost as janky at the time as it does now when you watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there was a lot of extra scenes added. Um, there was one scene of um. Um, I believe this was when um, Elliot was was sick or 
faking like he was sick anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and he uh, and he draws a bath. Um, and ET uh kind of gets like it kind of gets a little bit carried away with it, so to speak. Um, and um, and uh, the the scene was originally uh, scrapped um due to um the effects of ET just. Um, Spielberg didn't feel it was up to par. Um, the uh, there is a longer version of the Halloween sequence, which I did, which I didn't know about. Uh, this is all um, information I found on um, IMDb. They have an alternate version section of the movie that has all of this uh, info. Um, we'll have the link in the show notes. Um, and uh, a lot of there, um, um, there's the uh, the famous scene where Elliot is uh, is flying past the moon and in the in the new version the cape kind of like flaps a little bit um whereas in the original it doesn't i i will say like to me like that that that's a good touch really like that that is actually an instance of like of like the technology improving so yeah you you should make it more realistic in that regard i think i think that is the one redeeming part of the yeah i I, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. That is like the one thing that I think is universally praised is, is yes, make Elliot's cape flap in the wind as he's passing over the moon. Uh, it's just, it just looks so much more iconic and just neat. Yeah. And, and it, and it, um, eventually, um, it was so iconic that it became the, uh, logo of, um, Amblin entertainment, which was, which is Spielberg's yeah. production company. Um, so anytime you see that logo that is pulled directly from ET, so fun fact, mm. if you didn't know that, um, and, uh, let me see, um, in the original release, uh, the government agents pursuing <laughs> ET, um, had weapons in their hands, um, and the 20th anniversary, they decided, you know what, the weapons are too, um, are too, uh, are, are too, uh, risque, so we're just going to put walkie talkies in their hands. It made no sense. This is, so I, I referred to the, the Star Wars remakes earlier. This is the, the equivalent of, of Greedo shooting first. Like, why? Why would you take the guns out of the, the, the bad guys that are chasing you with guns? That's, it's an essential thing in the, in the scene. Why would you put walkie talkies in their place? It looks so ridiculous and hokey. It's just, it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, it, we we, uh, we watched the uh, um we watched both of them uh, side by side. There's YouTube videos available um, mm. where you can watch both versions side by side. And we were watching them after the watch party, and yeah, we noticed how like it it was it, like it was so poorly done too. Like it, it like nobody holds a walkie talkie like this. Like, like, like it it, it, it was just weird all around. And yeah, like you can tell, you can almost tell that they're, that they edited out the guns. Like it it was almost like they did a poor job of it too, you know? Yes. Yeah. It it wasn't good. It was not well done at all. Yeah. And, uh, the last change that they made, uh, there's a line, um, that, uh, Elliot's mother, uh, makes in regards to uh, trick or treating. One of the um, one of the boys wants to be wants to dress as a, uh, a in a certain costume, and in the original, it's um, the mom says, "No, you can't go out dressed like a terrorist," and that was changed to hippie. And 
given that this was released in 2002, I can kind of yes. see why they decided to change that line a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes complete sense because as I mean so many Hollywood movies even like Hollywood movies in production at the time were making changes. Like there was a Spider-Man movie coming out that had like the the Twin Towers, the World Trade Center on the the movie poster and they changed mm-hmm. that to not be that, right? Yeah. Um and the, the, just the sensitivity around terrorism in the the first part of the, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003 in that time frame um, Hollywood and well, media just in general was just very sensitive to to words like that. Sure, yeah, and and I feel like enough time has passed these days that you know that mm-hmm. you can you can kind of put that back in, and it's not as it's not as sensitive as it once was before. Um, it still right. it still right. doesn't have like because compared to 1982 versus now, like there there's still a little bit of I don't know like there probably was still a little bit more hesitancy even, even when they re-released it back in 2012, but enough time has passed. Mm -hmm. I think now that like, you know, you can put it back in and it's not nearly as bad. Yeah. If if they remade the movie now from scratch, like ET never existed and they were making it now, you would never have a line about a terrorist. Yeah. Um, But being that it's a 1982 film, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, and what's neat about um, the version that we watched on Peacock, because that was something that you were um, saying during our watch party to to look out for, um, to see whether this is the um, original or not. And turns mm-hmm. out when we watched the movie, um, they did have um, the guns in that version of the movie that we watched on Peacock. So when I discovered that they re-released it in Blu-ray in 2012, more than likely, that's probably the version that they're using for Peacock, probably. Mm-hmm. Hence why the guns and most of the original film is intact um, on the Peacock version. So, but, but, that, but I know that you were ecstatic to, uh, to learn that when, um, when we found that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I, I'd actually forgotten about the, the E.T. CGI stuff when we were doing the watch party. Um, it wasn't until after the movie was over and we were kind of looking at some of the YouTube comparisons that, that I was like, of course, like, it, it, of course, that was that was one of the big changes. Um, but it was so insignificant to me when the when the remastered version came out that I just forgot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I mean, when you when you uh, like. Cause, cause it's only in one version of the film. Right. And, and you've been used to this mm-hmm. old version for so long that you kind of just forget about it after a while. Um, you That's know, right. Yeah. Cause I only saw the, the 20th anniversary version. I've only seen that one once. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because I, I, I was one of those guys that bought, bought the 20th anniversary version when it first came out. So I was like, how cool is this? This is, you know, super neat. And, uh, I watched it that one time. And ever since then, I've just gone back and watched the original one. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Um so that's kind of um that's kind of uh, uh a look at the uh at the different versions that have been released over the years. Um mm-hmm. we talked about um product placement a little bit on um on the Back to the Future episode last week with Sam because that mm-hmm. one um <laughs> that one had like a ton of product placement um in and they probably spent a lot of money on that. I, I'm probably for the trademark usage and stuff. 
Um, oh, sure. Or or the brands paying them to to put their their. Oh, products yeah, in that's true too. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, in some cases they pay for that spot. Um, mm. but uh, but right away in the beginning uh, of the movie, you had a uh, you had a Coke and Raid uh, product placement right there on the um, near the dining room table where they were playing. Um, was it D and D that they were playing? I think that's what they were I playing. I think it might have been. Um, but the, it was a non-specific role-playing game because the uh, one of the one of the boys referred to uh, the guy running the game as the game master. Where if you were playing proper Dungeons and Dragons, you would refer to that person as the dungeon master. Now, and that just might have been, uh, you know, generic because game master is more of a generic term. So maybe they didn't want to specifically endorse Dungeons and Dragons because. It was early 80s, a lot of satanic panic stuff. A lot of parents thought that Dungeons and Dragons would turn your kid into a Satan worshiper and all this kind of crap. So they might have wanted to depict the kids playing a role-playing game, but not specifically give a nod to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. That that's fair. Um, but uh but but um but the Coke references are abundant in this um oh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. But not not as not, not as much as the Reese's Pieces though, and that's iconic. Yeah, and and there's a and turns out there's a little bit of a story behind um the um the Reese why it's Reese's Pieces specifically. Well, yeah, because originally they wanted M and M's in the movie, and in fact the like the script even called for M&Ms and the, the novelization of the movie, which was written before the movie actually came out. Um, actually says M&M's instead of Reese's Pieces. But what happened was the Mars company who makes M&M's got an early look at the E.T. creature design and said, oh, no, 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 no. Kids will be frightened of this creature. We don't want our product to be associated with that in in any way. And it just turned out that the, the exact opposite was true, and I think the Mars company lost a lot of money in that deal. Oh yeah, they 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 are probably definitely kicking themselves after that after that call. Like, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like there's like they're, they're probably like we could have made so much money. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Reese's pieces. Yeah, I mean, to this day, if I see Reese's pieces on a on a shelf, like in the checkout line at a grocery store, I always think of ET. I mean, without fail. So it's, yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, Eminem's lost out on that one. Yeah, no, fair, <laughs> fair play to Reese's Pieces because I don't think, I, I don't think it nearly has as much street cred, perhaps, um, if they're not a part of ET. Like, if you take ET out of the equation, I, I wonder if Reese's Pieces would even be around today, to be perfectly mm. honest. Well, I for one thinks that Reese's pieces are delicious. So, okay. if there's people like me, then maybe. But, but no, you're right. Um, you go to most candy, you know, candy lines or whatever, you're almost sure to see M and M's, but maybe not Reese's. Right? Yeah, those th- those are a lot harder to come by. Um, in some instances, mm. for sure. Um, <laughs> gotta love, uh, gotta love that Coors um <laughs> product placement in the fridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Et just grabbing a grabbing some of mom's cores out of the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, yeah. There's a there's a Tom and Jerry. There's a Tom and Jerry um um clip from the uh from the TV show. There's a Sesame Street clip. 
Um, mm-hmm. um, both of those made an appearance. Um, I believe this was when um, when Drew Barrymore's character was watching over E.T., I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the mom had gone shopping or something. I can't remember. She was... No, this is the scene where... Uh, she was going to the grocery or to the, uh, she had just gotten back from the grocery store. She was going to pick up uh, Elliot who was drunk for some reason at school. Right. Yeah. Because we find out, um, we find out, uh, um, we find out that um, it's right in that moment. I think that we find out that ET and Elliot's brains are kind of connected um, yeah, they've got this respect. like empathic link. Yeah, and and that's we really discover that with the the alcohol, right? So the so ET drinking the cores was a plot device to to illustrate that that empathy between them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and and I and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that was that was one of my favorite moments um <laughs> throughout the entire movie. Just that <sighs> entire scene was just oh, absolutely. brilliant. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many comedic bits. Like most of the comedy of that movie is is captured right there in that the the drinking scene. Yeah, you've got the yeah, you've got the frogs. Uh, you got Elliot wanting to free the frogs from the uh, from the jar, and um, <laughs> there there was one point um, where uh, where Elliot gets to kiss. I think one of the like <laughs> yes. I, did he have a crush on the girl like i don't know if that was clear or so not. they were so they were setting it up uh for a while like a, at the beginning of that that school day at the bus stop this girl's trying to get elliot's attention she's the one that's got the crush on him ah. and she, she was like hi elliot and he's like not even paying attention to her and while they're um, getting the lecture in biology class before the dissection she just keeps staring at him and when he's when ET is drinking and Elliot in turn also gets drunk, he looks back at her and like makes eyes at her. Uh, and you know it's one of those things. You know, you get alcohol in your system, then you know now now you want to talk to girls and all this sort of stuff. Of course. So it was kind of a yeah. So it was a just a fun little little thing. But the so the girl initially had the crush on him, and then um, I guess <laughs> and, he yeah. came around. <laughs> Yeah, no, but like, and I also love to like to uh, th- because there was a definite height difference between the two uh, between the two people, right? Like the like the like the girl like towered over Elliot in terms of um, size between the two, and I love the way that they accommodated that. Was I, I think if I remember correctly, there was a there was another student that got like just like shoved in front of. I, I I can't. I'm I'm the the scene's like so, kind of vague yeah, in my so memory. The, yeah. So the other the other kid was actually on the floor. He was crawling around on the floor, I believe, trying to gather up some of the frogs that had escaped. Mm. And he was crawling on the floor right next to where uh, Elliot and the little girl were. And you're right. Like she's got like nearly a foot on him. Like she's quite a bit taller than him. And when the boy is crawling next to them, he just like steps on him, uses him as a step stool. <laughs> <to get, laughs> yeah. To plant that smooch on her. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it was so brilliant. So brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, um, very funny scenes. Yeah. So these these last two product placements, um, they're not really exactly official product placements, 
Um, this one in particular has like a really interesting story because I remember hearing about this story about um, E.T. the game um, on for the uh, Atari back in the day. Um, it, tell us a little bit about that because you have yes. some. Oh, there, there's a copy right there. Look I've at got that. It. So if you're looking at the video version of this, I've got a, I've got an actual E.T. Atari cartridge that came out for the Atari 2600. Uh, I've had this for a very, very long time. Uh, it came out in 1982, same year as the movie, uh, but it was rushed to production. It was made in like six or eight weeks or something like that, like from, from being handed the project to the time he had something ready to go to print. Um, the game designer had, it was, it, it was either six or eight weeks. It was no time. It usually took months and months mm-hmm. to design games. And uh, back then it was a one man show. So it's not like he had a, a team. It was just this one guy writing code. Mm-hmm. And because of the, the compressed amount of time that he had, he didn't have time to uh, smooth out some of the finer points, I guess, in yeah. the game. <laughs> so the release was a disaster. It, um, yeah, it, it just looked so bad. Like even for 1980, even for 1982 standards, it's so bad. Like, yeah, and that's unfortunate because I think if, if he had had a couple of more months to work on the game, uh, it, it would have been a much better game. Um, however, it wasn't. It was, it was a, a terrible game. Everyone mm-hmm. hated it. Um, it just so happened to coincide with the, like, the beginnings of the video game crash, uh, which was uh, like all... Like across the board, like all of the video game companies at the time, like Atari, Sega, ColecoVision, uh, they were all just losing way more money than what they were making. Mm-hmm. And so for Atari to cut their losses, um, they decided to destroy almost a million copies of their video game cartridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did two things. It, it freed up warehouse space because they, you know, it cost money to you know, rent a space to store things, right? Mm-hmm. So they saved money there, and it also they could take a loss on their taxes if they destroyed product, like destroyed unused product or or returned product, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only were people not buying the Atari cartridge, a lot of people that did buy it returned it to the store for a refund. So it came Yikes. back as you know, like a used product kind of thing. So they sent truckloads of these games. I, I, I think it's in the 700,000 uh, range yeah. of game cartridges. They sent them to Alamogordo, New Mexico to a landfill there. Uh, there's, you know, there's, I'm not going to go into all the reasons why they chose Alamogordo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was this, this legend that uh, Atari dumped all these video game cartridges, the ET cartridges. In yeah. the Alamogordo desert or the New Mexico desert, right? Yeah, it was, it was this, a it was it was myth, a rumor. Yeah, it was a rumor for like the longest time. Like it, it was just yeah, like a yeah. it, it was just one of those like urban legends you hear about, right? Yep. Yeah, and then, and, and then turns out and, and a lot of people thought out, it was, yeah, it turns out um it actually was true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I moved here in 2013. In 2014, so the very next year, mm-hmm. there was a an excavation project that happened uh, that was put together by um, a documentarian. They had um, backing from like uh, internet uh, or what is it? Uh, I can't remember the channel now, but it's like a, a video game historian um, 
all kinds of like all all sorts of people were involved. Ernest Klein, who wrote Ready Player One, was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. The guy that actually designed and wrote the ET video game, um, he was involved. A uh, whole bunch of like uh, renowned people in you know in that space actually came here for that excavation. Um, it's like right down the street from me where this happened. It was a big deal. And I wanted so much to be a part of this thing. It got postponed. And then finally they went ahead and did it. And um, just so happened I was out of town on that day. Uh, Uh, I was really wanting to be there. But of course I was out of town. Um, But yeah, so just like right down the street from me, basically. uh, They actually unearthed a whole bunch of Atari cartridges to include a whole bunch of the ET cartridges. So myth confirmed, it was actually real. In fact, there's still a ton of, of video game cartridges buried in that landfill. Uh, so they, more they than just, just ET? Oh, yeah. There's, there, yeah. there's all kinds of games out there. Um, yeah, I can't remember the other titles off the top of my head right now. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't just ET. There was a bunch of, a bunch of titles. Because like I said, they were trying to get rid of all of their, their extra inventory either to cut down on warehouse space or to take a loss on their taxes because they were, they were in the red big time on their books for 1982, 1983. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was their way of, of just uh, yeah, cutting they, their losses pretty much. Yeah. They had to, they had to cut their losses some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no crazy, crazy story. And, and I can't believe that that's, that, that was actually real. Like, cause because I had I had heard about this legend too for a while, and then when oh, when sure. I I I saw the news stories come out where it's like, oh yeah, no, turns out this is actually real. <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. ab- absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, great great stories. Um, but uh, not exactly official product placement in the movie itself. However, there are a few Star Wars references sprinkled throughout the movie. Um, and we were, and we were talking about this in the watch party. Um, supposedly, um, this is because, uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas had, I mean, obviously they're really, really good friends. Um, and occasionally they would shout each other out in their respective movies. And supposedly Mm -hmm. this was an instance of that happening. Yeah. So one scene when E.T. first comes into Elliot's house and Elliot's kind of showing him different things that he has in his room, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's picking up a thing and saying, here, this is a this and this is a that. Uh, One of the things that he picked up was Star Wars action figures. And every time I see that in the movie, like from the time I was a kid to now, I still think, oh, I had that one. I had that one. Oh, I didn't have that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, there's also, um, I think one of the Halloween costumes in the movie, by the way, uh, someone dressed as Yoda. Um, yep. and, uh, so I remember that, um, and I'm trying to remember well, and then a funny, a funny yeah. thing about that, that scene too, when, when E.T. sees the Yoda costume, he starts pointing at, at the kid in the Yoda costume and saying, home, home, home. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I'm wondering, does E.T.'s species and Yoda's species know about one another do they interact mm. somewhere in the galaxy i wonder if a future movie might confirm something like that oh that's right star wars episode one the phantom menace has a scene in the the galactic senate 
where there's uh you know the the senator booth or whatever you call those things like the dais mm-hmm. that that the senators are on and there's he's there so they're they're a member of the galactic senate or the um the galactic republic at the time the republic um so yeah so i think i think there's a shared universe there between et species and and uh in star wars interesting and uh and for all you star wars fans i know I actually, um, um, about Star Wars specifically, I actually have seen a couple of the Star Wars films, but I don't remember which ones I've seen now. <gasps> oh, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah, if you so, can't remember which ones they yeah, are, it so, doesn't count. So it doesn't count. But but you Star Wars fans out there, y- y- your day will come. Your day will come. So look out for that episode in the near future because that that's going to be a fun one when we go over some of the Star Wars movies. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Long overdue, Will. I know, yes. <laughs> why this podcast exists. I keep reminding everybody this is why this exists. <laughs> um, but let's talk about um, some of our favorite moments from the movie. Um, you had a note in here about alligators in the sewer. Oh, man, this is one of the most memorable lines for me in the whole movie when Gertie says, alligators in the sewer. Because when I was growing up in the 80s, that was like a that was a big fear. Like people actually feared that there were alligators roaming around in the sewers. Now, I think this is one of those things that started as like a, an urban legend, like, like maybe somebody at one time found an alligator in the sewer or something like that, but it became this big, this big, uh, like overblown situation. People thought that, that it was just like a rampant thing. Like every sewer, like every city sewer is just full of alligators. And it was, yeah, everybody, it was a genuine fear. And every time I, 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 yeah, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things. Uh, but every time I, I watch something that refers to alligators in the sewer or whatever, my brain just automatically clicks to Gertie saying alligators in the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I didn't, I don't even remember that line. So I'm, I'm glad that you, um, I'm it was, you it was right before, it was right before Elliot called his brother penis breath. Oh, speaking of that, that's one of my that's one of, that was one of my favorites because <laughs> out of all the insults in the world that you could have um that you could have given penis breath, <laughs> I I it's got to be that's got to be a classic one, right? Like you know Oh yeah, like when when I saw it as a kid, that was like shocking to me. Mm. Cuz you know like when I was like that age, when I was like probably, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, something like that, you know, we had names for each other. You know, we'd say things like butthead or butt face or, mm-hmm. you know, thing, or, or even like, you know, oh my gosh, you swear words at that age, you know? Right. But penis breath, like nobody said penis breath. Like nobody used actual anatomical words in their put downs. And that yeah. one was like, wow. <laughs> someone, penis breath. Someone, uh, someone said that like, maybe this is just the PG version of dick sucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that, uh, that's how I took it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and bearing in mind that this was, um, in, uh, this was 1982. This one, this movie was rated PG and mm. back in, back in this time, uh, PG 13 did not exist as a rating, um, in the, right. in the MPAA. And so, um, and so it was interesting to me because in a, you wouldn't expect there to be, um, in a PG movie, you wouldn't expect them to say the word shit. You know what I mean? Like, cause that, that's as far yeah, as they had gone. Not, 
Yeah, not so much now, but but back in the eighties, they were a lot more lenient because, like you said, PG thirteen didn't exist, so you had a, a wide margin between what you could get away with in PG until you got to an R. And if it wasn't bad enough to be in an, be rated R, then it's PG. Mm. So there was a lot more uh, swear words and and uh, acts of violence and all sorts of things in in nineteen eighties PG movies. Mm. And you wouldn't you would never see that today. Yeah, yeah, because PG is definitely um, geared more towards like, yeah, kids can watch this, but just be mindful. Whereas PG thirteen, you know, there's like, like it, it's almost like PG thirteen is like a middle ground between R and PG. I mean, obviously, absolutely, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, more more so more so um, than back in this day because. I'm like, that's as far as they go. I never hear the F word. Like, I never hear them say fuck once. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that was probably one of those things where it's like, that was all that they could get away with was saying shit. And anything beyond that was just way too much. And it probably cost them um, an R rating, to be honest. Probably. You know? Probably. Yeah, I I don't remember what the exact rules uh, were for that, but that that sounds about right. I know know nowadays, if if you're a PG-13 movie... I believe you can get away with one F word and that's it. Um, so you got to use it sparingly. But if you have any more, if you have any more than Rashing one, out the F words. Yeah. If you have more, any more than one F word, then, then they most likely give it an R rating. Um, mm. So, so yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is a favorite moment, but I put this one down here because um, once again, uh, last podcast episode we were talking about um we were talking about um social standards and how um (laughs) and how certain people uh doing certain things uh (laughs) might not be as acceptable uh in this climate Mm. um (laughs) and there's definitely a moment where one of the kids um it's not it's not this kid's mom uh, but one of the kids almost uh, gave the mom a little bit of an ass pinching. Of course, the kids is oh, there yeah. to stop it right away. And oh yeah, yeah. And in my mind, it's like, oh well, it was the eighties. You could get away with that stuff back then. So <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the way that I took that scene is, he, I don't think he was going to actually grab his friend's mom's butt, but he was he was pointing at it and making a making a show for his friends like ah look your mom's butt i'm gonna do something to your mom's butt <laughs> so you know like i don't know like what what teenage boys do you know like because they, sure. they were probably what 13 14 years old something like that yeah um, that's that mm-hmm. seemed that 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 seemed pretty accurate to me <laughs> yeah i based on my um 13 year old years uh, uh, like 13 14 15 year old years yeah, that lines up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But uh but uh, let, let's talk about Drew Barrymore for a second because this really oh, was <laughs> this was this really was Drew Barrymore's like breakout hit, right? Yeah, oh totally. Yeah, she was completely unknown uh before ET. Um uh, so I I put a note here in the notes. Uh, Drew Barrymore, when I was a little kid, Drew Barrymore was my first real celebrity crush. I mean, there was Carrie Fisher as as Princess Leia. You know, she was my princess. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a peer, like a peer aged uh, uh, Hollywood person or whatever, like Drew Barrymore, I thought was the cutest thing in the world. You know, here I am, mm-hmm. you know, like 
you know, honestly, I don't know how old I was, but, but, uh, five, six, seven, eight years old, something like that. When she really came on my, uh, you know, to my attention or whatever. Um, cause mm-hmm. even though I didn't, I probably hadn't seen the, the movie yet when I was five or six years old, there was definitely, you would see like clips of it in, you know, in trailers or on, like we used to have this, this show. I don't know if it's still around called entertainment tonight. Oh, they it would still show, exists. Like, it still exists. It's on it? prime time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that shows you how long I've watched network television. <laughs> um, right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I basically just, I was crushing really hard on this girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and, and for anybody out there, it's like, oh, no, like she's actually older than me. Right. So when I was a little kid, she was a little kid, you know, so sure. Um, but like, as, as the years have gone on, like all the way up to the present day, when, when Drew Barrymore and I are both in our forties, like I'm still crushing on her. I don't think there's been a time in my life where I wasn't crushing on Drew Barrymore. Fair enough. I mean, to be honest though, too, like uh, Drew Barrymore, like, yeah, she, she's only in her forties and she's already had like a, a a very accomplished career in Hollywood already, you know, like she has her own, she has her own talk show now. Like, uh, yeah, it's crazy that like, like a childhood star like herself has just continued to be like this mega star. And she's still only in her forties. Yeah. And especially the, a lot of the, the stuff that she went through because she, she was an alcoholic as a child. She went through some drug abuse things. Mm-hmm. Um, some, um, questionable familial relationship type stuff, like some abuse situations and, mm. um, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, before she was even 20 or before she was 18, before she was even a legal adult, yeah, uh, she had gone through stuff and to come out the other side and still continue in the entertainment industry and not, not just exist you know she has some really uh you know high level blockbuster movie type roles uh, she has written and produced stuff uh like you said she has her own television series now um all all kinds of stuff yeah she she has overcome the odds and has has um has been very successful yeah not only that um i mean she she did kind of go through um what i what i like to call um a miley cyrus phase if you remember her when when Miley Cyrus had that phase um around 2013 2014 um yeah. where she kind of was transitioning between being Hannah Montana and being like <laughs> her own adult self you know right and she kind right. of went like it's a little bit crazy a little bit um but uh but Drew Barrymore kind of had one of those instances as well kind of um yeah well it's re- it's really more like Miley went through a Drew phase True. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you're absolutely right, though. Like, because uh, there's that infamous scene uh, or infamous uh, clip of um, of her uh, dancing very pro- provocatively on um, David Letterman. David Letterman. Yeah, I watched that show live. I remember that, actually. Uh, yeah, that's it's pretty wild. Yeah. And it just yeah. it just reminds me so much of when like Miley would used to do that. And and Miley has since like kind of just has kind of gotten through that phase. And <laughs> she's even said in interviews <laughs> that like the like the one music video she regrets is Wrecking Ball. And <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. But anyway, 
So I, I and the rest that- of us regret all of the others. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I feel like the I feel like that was important to uh, to bring up. But but yeah, Drew Barrymore is amazing. She's great. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So another thing that um that really makes me think about my childhood when I watch this movie is they the kids they ride bicycles everywhere mm. everywhere either just by themselves riding a bike to school or they're together or they have to go to a place or they they always have these shortcuts to get you know away from car traffic and um and that was my childhood exactly like that was you know like from the time I was old enough to ride a bicycle like all the way through high school I was that's that's how I got places was on my bike and you bet I had shortcuts here and there. I know where, you know, wh- which yards you could go through without like falling into a hole or, or running into a dog or, you know, like or, it was, or, or like, having a neighbor accuse you of trespassing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. You had, you knew where all of that stuff was like, that was just, that mm-hmm. was just my, uh, you know, my, my MO, I guess, uh, Riding yeah. bicycles around town. Yeah. I, I I have an interesting because because that was kind of my childhood too. But my parents didn't trust me uh, to ride my bike around because um, there is a uh, how would I do it like, like a state highway um, that was mm. like down the road from where I from where I grew up. So they would mm-hmm. always tell me to stop right before I got to the state highway. But I could always like ride my bike around the uh, around the street because I lived in a small enough town where you could ride your bike on the street, and you know you'd run into occasional car every once in a while. But mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of the time, it was pretty empty back in those um, back lots, and a lot of the kids would ride their bikes around the area and and get around and you know visit all the neighbor kids that way. Um, so, so yeah, mm-hmm. maybe not, maybe not necessarily in the, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it necessarily to get around to like, to like the grocery store or something, but certainly if I wanted to go to a friend's house, like absolutely like, like one of the neighbor's houses, like that was the way to do it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta mention, uh, Elliot faking his sickness, uh, so he can spend time with ET. Um, yeah. I, it, 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 you feel like it, you feel like he's sort of getting away with it at first when um, when they first show it, right? Um, and mm. I and I love how the mom still let him stay home, but, but she said no TV. <laughs> and but- yeah, that's a yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Maybe that was um, to discourage him from if you're faking. Uh, if I say, you know, no TV, then you're like, well, crap, that's the reason I was faking. So I guess I'm not really like, you know, I, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Cause I yeah. know when I stayed home from six from school, that's what I did. I watched TV cause there was yeah. nothing else to do. And yeah, you when feel I, like you were going to throw up or something. Yeah. When <laughs> I, when I was sick, I'd be, I'd be lying on the couch watching the prices right with when Bob Barker yep. was still hosting and have, yes. And yes. I'd be having, uh, I'd be having a Sprite and some chicken noodle soup and the, the, yeah. Yeah. Although, although it was, it was a bad situation to be in, um, for the circumstances. I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy, um, having the, traditional chicken noodle soup and the and having the sprite it was great and the in the traditional bob barker 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, because I would always watch Bob Barker, and then the local news would come on, and then Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was always right after that. And and yeah, that oh, was, yeah. see, who, who Wants to Be a Millionaire is past my time. That was like I was already. I was already a man when that when that fair, joke came out. Fair, yeah, no that uh, <laughs> that that kind of that kind of sh- exposes my age a little bit, but, but <laughs> a little bit, but yeah, but um, but those but those were the days, man. Those were the days. Um, and uh, and I think Squid, uh, going back to the um, faking how Elliot actually faked the sickness because he pretty much took the thermometer and just like put it in like on one of the one of his light stand things like basically right on the on the hot bulb yeah right on yep right on his on his lamp there uh it's like his reading lamp next to the bed um yeah that was a common that was a common thing like uh, yeah kids and, used to do that crap yeah. yeah and squid i remember made a remark um similar to the, um similar to the effect of ah the good old days when putting a thermometer in a light was good enough to get away with it <laughs> um, yeah yeah and uh, and apparently uh, and apparently when the mom uh, took the rest of the kids to school, I mean, it, she even made a remark like she she kind of knew he was faking it. <laughs> like, yeah, she that's, suspected yeah. It. Uh, yeah, probably. Which is which is probably why she said the no TV thing. Probably, probably. So. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of hiding things from mom, uh, when they when they're trying to hide ET uh, from the mom, like they all get home from school. And um uh, and I, I think he had knocked something over in, in the room or something. And um <laughs> and the excuse Elliot uses uh <laughs> for was like, why is there so much noise? I was reorganizing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and his shelf had fallen down off the wall and it was just <laughs> a, a mess. Um, yeah yeah now when um so my favorite scene when it comes to hiding et from the mom was when et hid himself with all the stuffed animals in the closet so when she opened the closet door and she sees all the stuffed animals she actually looks directly at et but didn't know that she was looking at oh yeah she thought it was just another one of one of elliot's toys Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that was that was great. That was great. It, it's yeah. it's comical how oblivious the mom is uh when when <laughs> ET is right in front of her. Particularly I remember there was a there was a scene in the kitchen um where ET like many numerous times is right in front of her and she's just completely yep. oblivious to it and it was just it's comical like yeah, that's that's right at the end of the scene of being drunk because that's when she had just got back from the grocery store right before having to go pick up drunk Elliot. Uh-huh. Uh, so drunky he was running around. And yeah, not only is that one of the funniest scenes in the movie, it's also kind of a nod toward the uh like like that was like the mom thing in movies in the mostly in the eighties. Like any eighties movie that's focused around kids. So whether it's like Goonies or obviously E.T. Um, or, you know, any movie like that, pretty pretty much any movie that had Corey Feldman in it, if you watch, like the parents just do not pay attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids are off doing adventures and getting away with stuff or whatever, and the, the parents yeah. are just completely oblivious to what's happening around them. Yeah, That's no. kind of a trope. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's similar to, because uh, we talked about this last week with um, Back to the Future and how George McFly is kind of like 
the like the like the kind of <laughs> like like it very much reminds me of those like old um cartoons that I would watch where just like the parents are dumb af and the and the kids are sm- are smarter are we smarter than the parents like yeah. it it definitely yeah. gives you that like energy and that feeling you know um mm-hmm. i i i i especially love um so this is this is when Elliot is at school and the teacher is talking about God knows what, right? Like doing a typical <laughs> lesson. And um mm. and Elliot's um drawing I I might add a very realistic drawing of E.T. Like that was that was a pretty good drawing. Um mm-hmm. and I love that, that like the teacher just goes past Elliot's desk, pauses for a moment, picks up the drawing. <laughs> and then just kind of puts it back down and shrugs it off like it's no big deal because mm. because that is not what ha- what would happen in my school if if i were if i was caught drawing anything like i mean i'm not saying i would actually do this but um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like if 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 anybody's drawing anything doesn't matter what it is it's like i like it, that drawing's getting confiscated you know so wow see my school wasn't wasn't that strict i think i think my school would have been similar a similar situation um because like a lot of kids doodle you know like when you're when you're listening it helps you it helps um Mm. to i guess settle your mind right so it gives you the opportunity to to pay attention if you're just you know you know some people draw like little flowers or draw squiggles or or like geometric shapes or what have you right or or like drawing a uh an alien or whatever. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't know. I don't think it's a bad thing for, to draw while you're listening to a lecture. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're reading a novel <laughs> or writing a note that, right. that has nothing to do with the lecture, I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it didn't stick out that much to me because it, it, it it's something that I think I would have gotten away with in mm. junior high or, or whatever reason. Maybe I went to the wrong school then. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just seem to always remember um, people getting in trouble for that. But maybe I'm misremembering it. I don't know. I think I think it'd be cool to know. I, I think people should should write an email to you to, to tell what. Yeah, if you like. uh, the, yeah, they if, have gotten in trouble. For yeah, drawing. if if you have gotten in trouble for drawing in class, send an email. Email at cinemavention dot com. Um, let us know because I'm actually curious. Yeah, I'm super curious now too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, la- last thing I want to point out, um, which when you guys mentioned this in the watch party, um, like that that just made it made this scene just like it was already a good scene, right? But it made it even more better after I knew after you guys told me this fact. So when when they're kind of quarantining the house so to speak and the and the doctors are trying to revive Elliot and get him disconnected so to speak from ET um during the watch party so well, uh, hold on hold on yeah just to just to, just to correct um correct the record though sure. the doctors weren't trying to separate Elliot from ET oh okay uh so the so I think I think they realized that there was some sort of a psychic connection or, or like you know empathic connection or, or what have you, but oh, they okay. were both dying at the same time, and I think the doctors were just trying to stabilize both of them 
Um, but when, uh, when one of the doctors said they're separating, I don't think that was as a result of, of them doing anything. I think it was just like ET was, was like, I think ET se- severed the connection like to, hmm. to save Elliot basically. Cause ET was dying and he didn't want to take Elliot with him. So I think oh. E.T. severed that connection. This, that's how I've always read the scene. Oh, okay. Okay. No, that, that actually makes more sense, though. Because, because yeah, because E.T. probably, yeah, no, E.T. probably knows that. And so that's probably why. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's, prob- that's a very good point. Um, but when that scene's going down with the doctors, um, mm-hmm. during the watch party, um, I, I I forget who mentioned it, but someone mentioned that when the doctors were talking and they were doing the procedures and, you know, it, acting like they were doing procedures and stuff, turns mm-hmm. out um, those were real doctors and that portion of the movie was actually not scripted. They uh, they supposedly just told them to talk um, like they would in as if this were really going on. And so that's mm-hmm. like authentic, like what they would actually probably be saying in this scenario, which just makes the scene even better because it's, it's just literally just improv. It's not even scripted oh, and, it, yeah. and it makes that yeah, scene which even I, more which I, powerful. Yeah. And I think it would be even more powerful if, if we knew what the hell they were talking about, <laughs> if we understood all the medical terminology. That's uh, fair. Because yeah, because they're definitely, they're, they're definitely saying some, some very specific, uh, you know, medical jargon and, and uh, procedural things and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it sounds real, but I, I couldn't swear <laughs> that it is because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't speak medical, yeah. um, but it'd be really cool to, you know, to have a, like an ER tech or a doctor or somebody basically translate it for us in real time. That would mm. be cool. My, my mom, my mom's a nurse. I, she might, she might know some of the, some of the terminology there. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I'll have to ask her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, was there anything else that you wanted to mention that was kind of like a standout moment for you? Um, not a moment per se, but uh, e- E.T. was a big deal. Uh, it, I still think it's a big deal a movie, but it kind of gets lost in the, in the, you know, in the, the rivers of time at this point with, with so much content that we have available. Uh, but when the movie came out, it was a huge deal. And the, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that it, it held the record for you know, the box office record for quite a while. And uh, it, it's for good reason, I think. You know, it's a great movie. And the just the cultural impact that that movie had and the fact that Spielberg kept it out of the, uh, you know, the, the you know, home video market for, for as long as he did. It just it, it made the public just crave it and want it so much. So when it finally came out on VHS, you know, it smashed all the records for for VHS sales as well. Mm-hmm. And it was never one of those things that burnt out. Like nobody was ever over ET. You mm. know, like ET is still iconic. Uh, was it a year or two ago? There was a, a a commercial. I can't remember who it was for now. Yeah, it was uh, for a, um, it was for Xfinity um, because because this is a oh, right. NBC right. Universal property, um, and so Xfinity released a um, Christmas ad. Um, I think um, two years ago now, back in or yeah, well, 
yeah, a, a year, a year and a month ago. Probably. Yeah, a year and a month yeah. ago. Yeah, it was released back in 2019. Um, you can find it on YouTube if you search ET, um, ET Xfinity. It'll probably you'll probably find it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and and this serves as kind of the the de facto sequel to the movie because there was never a sequel. Mm-hmm. There was never a television series or anything like that. Um, and this is, I think, as close as we're going to get to a sequel because it had Henry Thomas in it, re- replaying Elliot, but this time as a as a grown man with a family of his own. He's got his own children, little boy and a little girl, and ET comes back to visit Elliot and his family. And I, I think they were trying to make this whole point about you know home for the holidays and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like just really, really heartfelt. I think it had John Williams score underneath it, and mm-hmm. uh, it was not. And it's like a, it's like a little movie. It's like four minutes long or something like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just it's really neat. If you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you to go check that out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No. It, that that actually is a good uh, good video. Having said that, though, I'm gonna give my um, I'm gonna give my rating here, and I don't know that I feel like this may be a little bit controversial. I'm gonna give it like a middle of the road finger. I'm sorry. Like. Ooh. Like. Okay. So thumbs in the middle from Will on ET. Oh. Yeah. I I don't okay. know what I don't know what it is because. I think there is a little part of it that is the pacing, which to be fair, you know, that was kind of the style in the eighties was, mm-hmm. was that, that was kind of the style. Right. But like, it felt, yeah, it felt yeah. slow to me. It felt like for me, like the movie just, I I just feel like it didn't capture my attention as much as the last two movies did personally. I, I don't know what it is, but but yeah. yeah, I well, I, I think so. You're not wrong in in the 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 pacing is kind of a sign of the times because it, a lot of the a lot of plots from that time frame were you know more deliberately paced, right? So you would take more time to make your point. Uh, but I think the reason that that ET doesn't drag for me was it wasn't so much ex, exposition, which is a lot of times what bogs down the pacing of a movie. It was more about feeling. They wanted you to feel each scene not, not just understand like like you know adequately understand what's happening they wanted you to emotionally understand what was happening as well and so yeah et never never bores me uh, and i think that's probably why because i i have a feeling about every single scene mm-hmm. and, and i guess that just did you weren't under that spell i suppose i i guess not yeah no i don't get me wrong i didn't think it was a bad movie like it's definitely a good movie right well, let me ask you this. Were you sad when E.T. died? I, no. You aren't human. You aren't human. <laughs> you, okay. All right. I, we've all learned something about Will today. He is not a human <laughs> being. He does not have emotions. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a sad moment, but like. <sighs> or what about when know. he, okay. What about when he was saying goodbye? At the very end, when he was getting on the ship and everybody was sad. Were you also sad? No, I can't even. Have, I can't even have conversations <laughs> with you anymore. You are an unemotional person. <laughs> it, it, it's all. It's like I've seen it before. You know what I mean? Like to me, like I don't know. Like I feel like I've seen this before, and so maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it didn't 
<laughs> like capture yeah, my folks, attention. Folks, it's confirmed. Willie is a robot. <laughs> uh, we, I almost cried during the watch party right in front of everybody. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's well. I think that's probably honestly that's that's probably the main difference between um, why I enjoy the movie more than you do mm-hmm. is because I'm I'm experiencing a lot more of the movie than you are. Like uh, you're you're looking for plot and exposition and stuff and action probably. Mm-hmm. And I, while I love those things as well, I'm also experiencing the emotions of the scene. So when when like when Elliot was explaining things to ET, we're not just you know, learning that E.T. doesn't speak English and, and Elliot's, you know, I'm also feeling Elliot's excitement about, you know, his potentially his new friend or this new, uh, maybe it's a pet. We don't know yet. You know, and yeah. like his excitement. I'm actually feeling his excitement. I Okay. Uh, and the, I, the I will give you that the characters had. I felt their fear. Yeah. And things like that. You know? Yeah. No. And, and that seems particularly, I, I will give you that one. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah, no, it, it definitely does do that very well. Um, I'm mm. just saying personally for me, like, just yeah. overall, the movie just didn't capture me in the same way that, okay. um, in the same way that Back to the Future fair and Die enough. Hard did. You know, but that's fair. Yeah, but I'm I'm sure there I'm sure there's probably going to be um plenty of people that disagree. But um, but if <laughs> but if you but if, send your hate <laughs> mail to <laughs> Willie the Robot. At, what is it? E- yeah, email at cinemavention dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I I I am looking forward to seeing some of these emails after what after this. <laughs> Uh, what what rating would you give? I'm sure you'd give it a thumbs up, but oh, but yeah. it's definitely a thumbs up. Like that's easy. That's that's 100 a thumbs up. Yeah, not even a question for me. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, but um, but I'm I'm glad that I've seen the movie though, so I, I can at least say that I've seen the movie now, even if it wasn't mm. my favorite. You know what I mean? So for sure. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today, uh, Ken. It was great to have you. Uh, tell the folks where they can keep up with you and everything that you're oh, doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and I want to thank you for having me on. This is this has been a blast. I know we've been talking about uh, you know how many movies you haven't seen and how much fun it would be to watch movies with you and talk about them. And this is finally coming to fruition. And thank you so much for for letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. Um, if you are. If you, anybody out there is interested in what I've got going on, you can either either follow me on Twitter at rm underscore del noche, or just go to ritualmisery.com. Ritualmisery.com has links to all of the the creative things that I'm involved in. Yeah, and that is um, at rm underscore d e l n o c h e on Twitter. Uh, so go follow yeah. him there. Um, and I am doing a watch party for each of the movies that we review on the show. If you want to watch the movie with myself and fellow listeners, if you're thinking, what is this watch party that we keep talking about? Um, I stream it live over on my Twitch, uh, where you can also uh, find me live every Wednesday and Friday night over at twitch.tv slash is one But don't worry if you can't make it to the party. We have the watch party available afterwards exclusively to the people who support the show on Patreon. You can get it in your very own RSS feed and you get the public episodes in that same feed too. So you don't even need to add two feeds. It's all right there for you in, this, in one feed. You can get all the details with for that over at patreon.com slash Scott is one. Again, thank you so much to everybody who supports the show. Um, if you have any thoughts about the movie we discussed today, um, you can email, email at cinemavention.com. 
You can join the Cinemavention channel in our Discord. That's at GameNightDiscord.com. And uh, if you want to see more movies that we've covered um, on the show, you can visit all the previous episodes of this show over at Cinemavention.com. Click that subscribe link right there while you're at it and pick, pick um, find out which podcatcher you use on that list of podcatchers and subscribe. You won't regret it. I promise you. Uh, music has been provided by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the movie Princess Bride with Alex Hanna and Brian Coford. Oh boy, that th- that one's going to be a whole lot of fun. I can't wait for you to listen to that episode. We'll see you then. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>